The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kevin, the the history of this podcast, I don't think we've, well, we probably have actually, but I don't think, knowingly, I don't think we've been late for a good two two years, maybe. So nope. I apologise that the uh, that that the uh, the episode is coming out later than usual by a good few hours, but we are we are placing this firmly at the foot of the railways. If it weren't for the train strikes, we'd have got it done. <laughs> Would have been done. <laughs> train strikes caused me oh so much hassle. You wouldn't believe it. They've, effect, they, they've affected your workshops, haven't they? Everything. The it seems to be every single time there's a train strike, it's on a day that I've got something planned. So, I do have sympathy for strikers, by the way, but, mm. you know, each of their own. Humble, yes, it does be like they're picking on us. <laughs> they're picking on you, Kev. The Fuji cast. Yeah. We're all out at Mullins. We don't like that Mullins guy. All out, everybody. I know we've we've agreed to pay, but we still don't like Mullins. So until he stops using the railways, last time we tried to take a train into London anyway, ending in a, a complete nightmare, and that we managed to... What was it we did, Kev? You, you managed to get on the front four coaches of the train then there was a break in the middle isn't there and i managed to get on the last four yeah well they changed the trains didn't they so you, it's basically two engine trains these days so you can't get from the front to the back in the old days kev when they used to have a buffet car you could wander all the way down to the end get yourself a coffee and wander all the way back up again yeah, but not yeah, these days. Well, well, welcome to the Fuji Cast. We are here. A few a few hours late, but we are here. You and uh, your questions from the Facebook group and also oh, the email looks uh, the the in- inbox has filled up nicely this week, Kev. So thank you for sending those to clickerfujicast.co.uk. Um, we have um, we have we don't really have a formal guest as such, although she is important. It's Amy Milstein, and there's a reason for Amy Milstein that I'll come to in a moment. And we have a and we have a book of the week, Kev. What do we have? We do. We have uh, stones from the inside. Stones from the inside. Yeah. Is that a bit like that? Uh, do you remember that book you uh, reviewed? Brilliant book you re- reviewed that was instruments from the inside. Uh, and well, it's musically related. Yeah, it's it's the private pictures of Bill Wyman. Oh the. The Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> not the, yeah. Not the physical. And when I say private pictures of Bill Wyman, not that private. Okay. And but... I have a signed copy of it. Do you? Yeah. Who's the photographer? Bill Wyman. That's why I said it's the private pictures of Bill Wyman. Well, I, he might have had a photographer with him. I don't know. No, no, he is the photographer. Ah. Yeah, ah. it's really good. Anyway, we'll get to it. Well, good. How did, how did you get it signed? Did you see him? No, no, no. It was uh, there's a lovely new bookshop in uh, Cheltenham. Really mm. beautiful place, actually. Really wonderful bookshop. Yeah. Really light and airy with a coffee shop and oh. you know glass ceilings and uh, it's great. And so he he went there. He rocked up, boom, yeah. and uh, signed a whole load of books. I weren't there when he, he signed them, but I went and picked up a signed copy. Okay, Hatchards is the name of that bookshop, oh. by the way. That'll be on my visit list. In our nice. in our gaff, we always play the how old is game. And we usually ask that thing that starts with A and ends with A, but I won't say it just in case yours comes alive. But um, how old do you think Bill Wyman is? Um, he's got, I'd say, late 70s. 86. Is he 86? Mm-hmm. Mick oh, Jagger is 79. There's a reason why Mick Jagger's voice is so, still so powerful, and that is he's a really fit chap. Whereas other artists, this is a bit of a sweeping generalisation, but I got it from a health podcast. Um, other artists that have let themselves um, just enjoy um, in, enjoy the fruits of their labours across the years and have, have not kept as fit as Mick, their voice because a voice is a muscle. It start it starts to uh, starts to weaken. Mm. So that's why some artists who are older keep their voice. And Mick Jagger's voice is still is still really powerful. So what's the secret then? Come on, keep just look after yourself, your body, your your um, your voice is a muscle and is part of the overall health regime that you have of keeping fit, working mm. out, pushing weights. I'm not suggesting it, you go push weights with your neck, of course. There's things he's done that's not not technically looking after himself. I'm sure. No, across the years, I I dare, I dare say that's true. And his good mate Keith Richards has probably taken him off the rails a few times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. How many times do you think he's been married, Bill Wyman? Oh, I don't know, five? No, three. 
Uh, what was uh, I, I think there was a very famous marriage. Who was the famous marriage? There Mandy, were, whatever her name was, wasn't it? Mandy Smith. Mandy Smith. Mandy Smith yeah. from 1989 to 1993. But he's been married to Susanna Costa since 1993. Still good. going strong. There we go. Bill Wyman facts for you. Um, Very good. Do, I can tell you, you're already <laughs> falling off your seat with boredom. Right. I'm editing my pictures from yesterday. Oh, God, Kev. We talked about this while we were we were in London. And that, by the way, is why Amy Milstein is our guest this week, because uh, we met up with Amy. Now, you know Amy, don't you? She's a photographer from New York, and she's one of the... Would I be right in saying few? Or uh, I was going to say one of the few documentary wedding photographers in New York. Or am I slightly off the, off the boil? Uh, I'd say few is pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah, I don't think there's that many of them. Gotta mm. say, um, there's there is a few, but there's a few that I know of. But yes, mm. it's, it's 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 more of a minority than a majority. And you've been mentoring her, haven't you, across the years? I did over yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice lady. Lovely yeah. to see her when she came to London. Really nice to meet her, and we had a good old chat. I think it was fun when we all went. Uh, you took us to this really, if I can say so, Kev, bit of an odd pub at the end. I couldn't quite work out whether it was half theme and half authentic. Waxy's little sister. What's it called again? It's, wax, it's wax, Waxy's little sister. Waxy's you've you've little. heard of Waxy O'Connor's? No, I haven't. <sighs> educate me, Kev. Educate me. Waxy O'Connor's is a massive, massive, massive pub in London. Right. And Waxy's little sister is a little pub in London. <laughs> As in little sister? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh. That's basically it. World's yeah. best Irish pub. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I well, I had no idea, Kev. There we go. I'm I'm educated. It was a great pub, but it had this sort of ceiling that looked like it was growing, didn't it? It was, it was kind of like a cave kind of edge to it. Fantastic. Unfortunately, place. the um, the dumb waiter wasn't working. But usually, when you go upstairs, they send you beer up in the dumb waiter. I know. I like the I like the look of that. Look, look good. But it fun. was broke. It was broken. You broke it last time, right? Um, so Amy Milstein is our sort of guest. Um, we we were just wandering, and I thought, well, I'll just wander and record a couple of words with Amy. So that's what we've got halfway through. And she talks about um, life as a, a an American wedding photographer and documentary work mm-hmm. and a bit of street and stuff like that. So it's just it's just a it's just a soupçon of a of a conversation with Amy later on. Right, Good. questions. You're going to go first or me? I'll go first. Why not? Yeah. Um, and that's what we were talking about. We were talking about the fact that when we do the podcast, you're often doing something else. <laughs> well, I'm on a deadline. <laughs> I, got, I photographed the Great Bristol Run yesterday and they need their pictures. Have you not got the pictures out yet? I got the live pictures out yesterday, but for the ones that went straight to press, but now I've got to do... How many have you, you got? I mean? How much did you overshoot by? Oh, well, I'm gi- I've am i got uh, 266 I've filtered down to to give to them. Right. Um, and I shot like nearly, I think nearly 2000 pictures. Oh, well, that's not too it's, bad. It's just burst, you know, it's yeah. just burst stuff. Okay. So, so it's just sorting out the, the frame amongst the 15 or eight or whatever it is that you need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause they're running and, uh, actually interestingly, I use the X-T5 and oh, right. the 16 to 55 lens oh. and the, um, 50 to 140 lens. You do not need a bazillion, bazillion, bazillion frames a second of the XH2S, in my mind, my opinion. There we go. Anyway, moving on. Is that uh, what you were, is that, you, you, oh, no, you were shooting with the XT, sorry, I got confused for a minute. XT5. Why yeah. do you always pick on stuff I've got? You don't need a Mac, you don't need an A, just because you don't like it, Kev. No, well, I, no, actually, no, it's not that at all. I mean, I, I had a conversation with somebody last week who was like, um, who said they want they were going to get the faster frames per second? Is right. it the XH2 or the XH2S that does the XH2S? Yeah, the one that I've got. And I and I said to them, why do you need it? And and basically said, well, because more is better, isn't it? It's better. Yeah. You'll be able to shoot more frames and, and get more keepers. Mm. And I was like, mm, yeah, true. If you're, you know, if you are really genuinely shooting professionally sports or wildlife, and you you know you're tracking birds across the sky and stuff like that. But I, in my mind, I can't think of any other position where you would yeah, need to be shooting. I always just put mine on to... Uh, have I got my cameras here? Uh, no, I haven't. But I always, I always um, usually just put mine on to medium burst rate. It's more than enough for me. But then again, I'm not... I suppose I'm not photographing action in that way that you're you're suggesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Um, it does... The XH, XT5 is great because it obviously the 40 megapixel pictures, so yeah. you can... You can crop in quite a lot, which yeah. is very nice. Yeah, and yeah. I shot 
all JPEG. So basically, it's just selecting, cropping, straightening, sending. So all JPEG. What what um, film simulation? Oh, I went for the the standard. Okay. Um, flat one. Up the top, yeah. flat. Are you going to do anything to it? A, a little bit of contrast or anything? Or you probably won't need, won't need it. Well, will I will just go. I uh, know. Well, I'm going to press that lovely, wonderful button in Lightroom that says auto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you might still That's need to go into su- some pictures and and just correct a little bit of you know if, if some, something's overexposed in the foreground and you want the, the mid ground to be that. Oh, you're not going to bother with that. <laughs> no, I will do that. Of course, yeah, yeah. But. It's quite nice. But otherwise, auto, auto, all the way through. Auto, yeah. I'm just editing now. I'm just looking at Wallace and Gromit as they're warming up the, the family race. Wallace and Gromit? Oh, right. People dressed up as, yeah. Well, no, not quite, because it was Bristol, isn't it? So Wallace and Gromit are the big charity there, the um, oh, Grand Appeal. They weren't running yeah, then? For the children, children's hospital, yeah. Because usually you get these great foam characters running, don't you? Yeah, we had a bit of that. We had some Darth Vader's. All of the boys from Bristol University ran basically naked with a little what? long cloth. What? Um, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was it was different, to put it that way. It was good. Brad was there. Brad Wakefield was, was working on yeah. the job as well. I noticed I didn't get the invite this year. No, well, just kept saying no. <laughs> I kept saying no. Well, it was always <laughs> weddings I was doing, which is a... Yeah, I know. It's a nice way to say no. When, when I was doing the, uh, when I, well, I, I know I don't look like a runner, but I did run once, Kev. I used to run. The, la- the last half marathon I ran was uh, the Reading one. And uh, there, is, there is a point where when you're getting overtaken by those large foam characters that you get just a little bit disheartened by it. When I was overtaken by, I don't know, I think they were an army troop brigade, whatever, and uh, they were in a, a long caterpillar costume. I mm. think were about 10 of them, and they zipped past me. <laughs> I thought, oh, if you can't beat the caterpillar, yeah. you're in trouble. Right, right, questions. Come on, questions. Are you going first on me? Uh, actually, you go first, because I've got okay. quite a few to read through, right. um, and some of them are a bit complicated, so you go first. Hello, Neil. Hello, Kev. Sounds like the email thread might be getting lonely. So here goes, says Robert Ham from Menlo Park in California. Um, question, whether I'm using an X100 or XT series camera, I shoot everything in a three-shot raw plus JPEG burst with third step of exposure. So... I always have three picks to choose from, mainly to ensure there's an exposure I prefer to work with, but also to minimise camera shake. While I know this uh, always uses more battery power, which doesn't bother me, is there any sense that this could shorten shutter life uh, over the long haul? Ah, it's the shutter thing. We just used to worry about shutter life, didn't we, with uh, DSLRs? They, they, They came out with a particular shutter count that you were expected to reach after which the camera would self-implode or something. I don't think, I don't feel it's as much, I mean, there is a mechanical thing going on, but I don't feel it's as much an issue in mirrorless, is it? Well, you would ge- you generally get a longer lifespan out of a mirrorless one because it, there's no mirror. <laughs> so no. And it's often the mirror that comes flying out the front of a camera, doesn't <laughs> it, when it breaks. Um, but yeah, uh, to answer the question, n- no, it shouldn't really affect the shutter because it makes those... Um, uh, extra shots uh, digitally, yeah. essentially. takes one picture, then um, digitally adjusts accordingly in the camera. Um, I would say, though, that's probably overkill t- shooting every single picture. With RAW and JPEG burst. I mean, R- J- JPEG typically has, I think, eight eight stops of latitude. I would imagine four in each way. Um, so a RAW even more, of course. I'm wondering why you need to do it for as I assume it's steps of exposure here, why not just shoot raw and, and, and shoot it bang in the middle and, and use the, the latitude that you've got each way. I mean, I can understand, you know, if you're not, if you're not shooting lots and stuff, I can understand why you might do it just, you know, for a kind of safety net thing, mm-hmm. but yeah, if you're shooting lots and lots of pictures, then that's, that would kind of take the, you know, the editing process would, take the fun away for me personally, but of yeah. course it might be very different in that case. Um, but yeah, ultimately, no, it shouldn't really affect your shutter. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about shutter anyway. You, you know, these mirrorless cameras of all shapes and sizes will, will yeah. go on for a very, 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 very long time. And he has a suggestion here. Uh, maybe you should make the email questions link more prominent on the Facebook page. <laughs> Get more questions uh, via email as well, that way, question mark. Oh, I well, see. Facebook. Uh, 
But well, yeah, you're, not, you're sure he's not saying website? I mean, it means the website, I'm sure, but it does say on the FB page. Yeah, I can't do I can't do anything on the Facebook page, unfortunately. That's all controlled by Mr. Zuckerberg and his his fanatics. What of any fanatics? <laughs> I can't. Yeah, all you can do is pin it to the top. That's it. Yeah. I can't. I can't yeah. make it any more obvious. Have a that. chat with Mark. I'm sure you yeah. know him. But thank you, Robert. Yep. Right, Facebook, yours. Okay, so um, Dan Isidro, Kevin uh, Kevin Neil Hola from Espana. Oh. Quick question. The front command dial on my X-T3 isn't working properly. I have it set to ISO, and although I can turn the dial, the ISO doesn't change up or down smoothly. Oh. Skips around all over the place. The rear command dial works fine. Maybe a bit of dirt has got in there. Have you ever had an issue with command dials? Thanks what, what's, for the what's this on? What, what camera? Sorry. XT3. Ah, right. Now, I've had this on my X100V. Oh, well, there you go then. Mm. Answer away. Mm, but and I, each time, it's a weird thing. When it happens, I have to take the battery out, start all over again, pop the battery back in. I've even done a factory reset a long, long time ago, granted, not long after I had the camera, but I've had the exact same problem. So I don't know how to solve it without, <laughs> without, without the extremity of taking the, the battery out the... Uh, the battery compartment, shoving it back in and starting all over. What? So the ISO, when you attach your ISO to your front dial on your X100V... Yeah, it dances. It, 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 it dances until you take the battery out and reset well, it. Well, I just I almost have to reset the camera, really, with the battery out, put, pop it back in, everything behaves again. Mm, that that seems a bit odd. It doesn't happen all the time, expect- okay, but it only happens now and then. Yeah, that's very peculiar because if it's... Like, I would expect that to only happen if the but if the dial is is faulty, i.e., uh, you know, there's dust in there or there's dirt in there or it's broken. Uh, I wouldn't expect that to be fixed temporarily when you switch, when you reset the camera or, so, or, you so, know, or, or switch the battery out. That's, that's, mm, that's, sounds that's sounds very peculiar. Like an electronic um, problem that I've got. That's not a dust problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So, well, Dan, yeah, I mean, basically, I would, if you if you don't need to get it repaired, if you can use another dial, yeah. Live with it. I don't. I don't really. I've never really had any issues. I know that there's a lot of people want the uh, command dial, rear, uh, front command dial, to be able to control ISO on the XH2 yeah. series, and and uh, that's that's something I see quite a lot. But yeah, I mean, if it's under warranty, it won't be under warranty XT3. But you could probably get that repaired reasonably easily. I would have thought if you need to. But you know, you've got other command dials. And you've got the, the XT3 as well, so you've got the uh, you've got the ISO dial on the top as well. You can flip between it. I'm trying to think now. I'm trying to think. Oh, standby. Kev's yeah, thinking, everybody. Warning, warning. I'm trying to think if there's an if there was a setting where you can set. I think there was for the aperture. You can set the the step level to be increments of 25 rather than full iso stops um do you think that, that might, might be something i in my head it's, it's too early in the morning for me to to fathom that out mm. but it could be could be something that like that dan but then i would assume that would happen with the rear command dial as well rather than just the front one otherwise it sounds like you've got a bit of lovely spanish sand in your in your camera i'm afraid yeah. mate <laughs> <laughs> you'd be good on a help desk you've got a bit of lovely spanish sand in your camera you have next <laughs> Um, yeah. mwas.co you know was don't you yeah this isn't really a question and you may know, you may know well, I bet this is about the, the uh, <laughs> rear LCD what do you think do you think that's what if, if you were a betting man how much money would you be prepared to put on this all of it all of it <laughs> all, I, I, I'd put my entire overdraft on it would you not yeah. really worried if you use this on the show as it's a tired subject I think it's looking good for you Kev uh, my sub-monitor failed yesterday. That's 100% failure within a month of each other on two cameras bought at the same time, both still in warranty. That's the good thing, I suppose. But I'm reluctant to send mine for repair as M's came back looking like new, with a new top and bottom plates as well as a replacement screen, where mine is starting to look a bit like Don McCullin's after it was shot at. And I quite like that. I refuse to create a false patina on it if they refresh it. You'd like Kev's cameras. We were sitting there the other day having, having a coffee. There were four of us. There was there was Emily Renier, a- a- Amy Milstein, there was you and I sitting having a coffee. And of all the cameras on that table, Kev, yours looks shocking. <laughs> they they were pit- well loved. They're well loved, well patinaed. But there we go. So he's just reporting. It's not really a question. What, what? Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Was well, I'm sure if you send it off to be repaired, I'm sure if you ring them up first or send a letter with it to just say. 
you know, there's, I just want that bit repaired. Don't go re- replacing yeah. top plates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm sure they do that. You could put it may, maybe uh, in the sort of comment section, put um, send it back looking like Mullins cameras. <laughs> so we'll go for a question instead from Ken Batchelor. Hi, Kev. Oh, this is just for you. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm the chap who's been mulling over the problems that AI will bring to uh, determining authenticity in photography. I think I've found a possible temporary solution. It's temporary because technology will advance and probably supersede it. What about a film camera that has a built-in lidar sensor that will not take a photo unless it seems appropriate depth in the, uh, there seems an appropriate depth in the image. That way you overcome the problem of faking an image by taking a film photo of a faked flat digital image which will have no depth data. The camera will only operate and produce a film image when confronted with real life. This means that you can produce a certified film negative as proof of authenticity. Sorry to seem a bit obsessive about this, but it will become a huge problem and has been puzzling me. What do you think? And have you got other solutions? Well, Ken asks you. So over to you, Kev. Ken to Kev. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, Ken, I, I, I am also deeply concerned by it, I have to say. How deeply um, concerned are you? Um, yeah. I mean, well, no. not doesn't keep me awake <laughs> at night, but... I, what I'm concerned about is, you know, we're seeing it already in the Turkish elections that are happening right now in one of the candidates pulled out a couple of days beforehand because he was saying that there was deep fake AI sex videos of him created and posted online. Now, I don't know whether it was he was just a naughty boy or they were actually deep fake AI videos posted online. That's the concern I have for AI in terms of its misuse rather than its potential good use. Yeah. And I am sick to death, sick to absolute death of on uh, Facebook of seeing AI generated pictures. And yes, most people, most most people who are doing it are, are saying this is AI, AI art, and this is that and whatever. Oh, I'm just bored of it, you know. I'm absolutely bored of it. Um, by the way, so it's a very good. It, so what Ken was saying is actually yeah. a really good idea. Yeah. Uh, and so lidar is essentially, my understanding is they're the um, they're the sensors that they're, they're sticking in, um, like all, uh, what they call it, self-driving cars and everything. So they can check, they can test depth, distance, right, and uh, and not bump into each other and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, probably the same things that we have in our Kias that tell us if we're about to go into the back of the lorry in front of us. Yeah, and it starts going beep 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 beep. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, oh, it's, it's probably light, that will, light, I'm sure that will never happen. Light detection and ranging. That's it. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, range detection and stuff. Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know if there is an answer or even if there should be an answer. You know, we just move on, don't we? Life moves on. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's certain elements of photography that will be perfectly protected from AI, and other elements that will be decimated by it. Lidars, um, lidars in iPhones built directly into the devices emits a laser to more accurately measure distances of surrounding objects. So No, no, no. The LiDAR in an iPhone is to, is when it, it fibs to you about how much battery life you've got left. <laughs> See, another thing that I've got that Mullins doesn't like. <laughs> uh, we should have got um, married, you know. Opposites really do attract. <laughs> actually, actually, uh, there's an app. There's an app that, um, that's on the only on iPhone, i iStore, whatever right. they call it, i i think majiggy, um, that I really want, <laughs> and it's it's not on Android. Which well, you really, can't have it but unless you get an we, iPhone. No, I can't have it. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I do think I do think that overall, like certainly the. Um, uh, the news syndication systems, uh, companies, and all that kind of stuff will have to get handle of this, mm. uh, especially the the kind of um, uh, what do they call it, citizen journalism. You know, you always see this at the bottom of BBC articles. You know, like, were you there? Send us pictures, um, and they need to be very careful that people are not just sending in AI generated stuff, um, either for the sake of it, for the attention of it, or to um, mis uh, misdirect the news story yeah. you know that that is a real thing that the the, the 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 journalist agencies will need to need to kind of get a grasp of there was how a, they do that don't i know. don't know there was an interesting actually sean tucker did a did a film recently about ai i think it might be his latest film perhaps and he he had um, he seemed to be quite buoyant about it he wasn't as 
um, in the doldrums, as I think it's easy for us to get as photographers, cinematographers and so on, filmmakers, in that he, um, he in news in particular, he was saying that if, if anybody gets found out, for example, they'll be out on their ear immediately. And he sort of... Oh, of course they will. Yeah. I mean, it, um, it might be good news, looking for the good news story here, in that you get a trusted, um, again, you get a trusted segment number of uh, of photojournalists that you think, right, I know that that's real because they are X, as opposed yeah. to, well, who's this yeah. person that's just contacted me? I've got no idea whether it's true or not. I think I'll go to my age-old photojournalist. Thank you very much. Maybe, I, maybe, I don't know, may, am I clutching at straws there, Kev? No, I don't think, I, I, I don't think it, they're the, you know, I don't think real, genuine working photojournalists are going to be the problem. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be when, uh, you know, brutal elections come along and, and you know, politicians getting themselves into trouble and all kinds of things. I, I just think, that's coming out as like a train. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it's bad enough as it is on social media. You know, people listen and believe absolutely anything. Um, you know, stick a picture that's very authentic and, you know, they, that, that will sway them when it comes yeah. to voting for things. But that's, uh, that's, that's my know. point. That's my point here, that photojournalists, uh, established photojournalists with their accreditation, etc., might find that their flavour of the month again, as opposed to uh, years that they've been battling with citizen photojournalists or citizen journalists, um, b- because they get to they get to the story in there cheaper or sometimes quicker, of course. But I don't know. Uh, it could be a, a revolution backwards towards the, in a good way, that is, towards the photojournalist. This morning, when I was sitting in the dental dentist chair, I did my very early dental appointment this morning. I can't remember which radio station it was because it was in between the sounds of you get in the dentist chair. But that somebody had won a competition for their wedding to have their first dance completely generated by AI. And part of me thought, oh, that's quite cute. And then the next part was, that's rubbish. Here's a radio station saying, we're creating AI songs for your first dance. Yeah, and ra- actually radio stations are one of the, you know, uh, they got a problem coming their way also. There's software out there already that will, uh, you just put in the prompts, you tell it what you need the, the anchors to talk about, mm. tell it what kind of music you want, and it will create an entire radio show that is very, very authentic without having to use any humans at yeah. all. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're they you know they they're definitely one of the ones that I think you know, need to be a little bit careful. Music, um, music, radio. I think talk radio, it'll come obviously, but at the moment, getting AI to be able to swerve left and right when you're in conversation is probably a little way away yet. <laughs> I hope, Kev, because look at us oh. talking here. Can we have Kevin Neal AI? I used it. I used it to write some code the other day, ChatGPT, right? So I, I needed to write a piece of code that stripped out a whole load of URLs starting with a certain piece, a certain string um, from a uh, from one of my own web pages that I downloaded the content for. Um, and so I went to ChatGPT and I told it to write this piece of code in C Sharp. It did it. Um, I went back, I tested it, it didn't quite work. One of the references was wrong. I went back and I said, you know, this reference is wrong. It redid it for me. I went back and it worked, but it didn't include everything after the full stop for the .htmls. And I said, and I literally said to it, oh, can you now include uh, where the string has .html at the end? Did it. That would have, if I was coding that from scratch, probably would have taken me the best part of a day. and I did it in three prompts and with ChatGPT, and it was done oh. in, I don't know, 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ken Batchelor now has gone to stick his head in the sand. And I'm going to join you, Ken. Yeah. Dig another hole, please, sir. I'll be right next to you. Yeah, it's a challenge for a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it. Also, definitely, I just don't want it to be misused. But no, no. who am I? Nobody listens to me. Well, I'll tell you who was real. Amy Milstein. She was real. Um, she when, was. when we were in London last week, at the end of the week, um, we met up with Amy. Had a lovely chatter and conversation as we as, as we walked around the streets of Londinium. And, uh, well, we just recorded a few thoughts and uh, well, we thought you might like to hear them. It's not very often we get the opportunity to actually talk with uh, with those that listen to the show and um, <laughs> and are visiting from overseas. It's a double treat because Amy's also a, a documentary wedding photographer, which I must add there are not many of in New York. This is very true. Mm. There are not many of us. Why do you think that the style is different? 
in in the US because you would have thought that candid and authentic those kind of words you attach them to photography that that would be exciting for an audience I think that there's a long tradition of a certain type of wedding photography that includes just a lot of the sort of expected posed shots the the tradition of you know now first look or dad seeing the bride and people want to set things up so that they make sure that they get those shots and a lot of people say that they're documentary wedding photographers but but then they do a lot of detail shots and set up group shots so people maybe I, I don't know maybe they don't have the knowledge that of what that truly is and so as long as there's some of it they think it's that that's what they're getting um, but I also, a friend of mine said once that he thinks that in the U.S. there's a lot of tradition of at events you take posed photos. You get class photos every year. If you're on a team, you take a team photo. You take prom photos. Like there's, all, there's a long expectation of the posed photo from this special event. And that, I think, plays into it as well. I like the story of how you met Kev and how you... <laughs> how, how the documentary wedding photography became something that you would consider because initially you were at a conference and you thought, well, I don't really want to go and watch something about wedding photography. And then Kev was talking about the reportage documentary style of it. And I think that surprised you, didn't it? A hundred percent. I was at the Fujifilm conference and I had gotten in late and all of the seminars that I would typically have signed up for were full. So I was left with uh, something about off-camera lighting, which I wasn't interested in, and then Kevin's, which I think was called Family and Wedding Documentary. And I thought, ugh, yuck, wedding photography. I don't want to do that. Because I thought of it as, you know, lots of formal shots and wandering around various venues taking photos. But, you know, that's what was available. So I went. And I literally sat there just fascinated probably asked way too many questions and we had time you were the only one in the audience (laughs) (laughs) no there were quite a few of us in the end in the end and left thinking well if i can shoot weddings like that that's what i want to do because that's how i like to shoot that really was the turning point that was what turned you on to wedding photography yes right yeah absolutely there otherwise i would never have done it who are the big uh, we, we know of john dolan of course because we've well, Kev has spoken to him on the show recently, but who are the big players in documentary weddings in, in the States? Well, there's a great documentary wedding photographer, Zalmi Berkowitz, Zalmi B on Instagram. He's fantastic. He's someone else that I really love. Pretty much everything he does. Um, Olya Vozaskaya is great. Um, she's probably one of the purest documentary photographers I know. Those are maybe the ones I like the most. Mm. That's my opinion. Mm. So where do you where do you go with your business? Because you've been doing this for a little while now. How do you market yourself in such a huge... I mean, you're based in New York. This is a, a huge area. You would have thought it would be very easy to find enough clients. You would think, but it's very... The difficult part is educating people about what documentary photography really is because a lot of people say they want it but then they're like oh and will can we send you our shot list mm. and then you have to explain to them that actually no that's not really part of what you do as a documentary photographer um it's what actually john dolan just recently told me you want to be a narrow caster you want to oh. do narrow casting yeah. so you don't want all the clients you only want the ones that want what you do and so your focus is just educating people really so that the people who want what you do can find you obviously that includes the typical online marketing through social media and websites and things but it's not it's not as uh you would think there would be a huge market in the u.s for documentary photographers i think it's much smaller than maybe even in the uk what do you do when you're i'm going to come the other side of you hold on what do you do when you're not shooting weddings uh, I do a lot of personal stuff, street street work. I also have a photo studio where I do portraits, so I'm sort of opposite ends of the spectrum in that regard. 
Um, but, but I think, actually, being a documentary wedding shooter really informs how I shoot in the studio. Yeah. Um, because I am still looking for that natural moment when the person has relaxed and they're not posing for me as such. So that's what I do a lot of when I'm not at weddings. You said something really interesting when we were talking earlier, uh, which was, in essence, shoot other stuff do other stuff yes because and this is something else that um years ago john dolan and holger thoss used to run a seminar called how not to be a wedding photographer i love that and it was (laughs) a great name and one of their things was you should always have other projects going on don't just shoot weddings shoot personal projects shoot birthday parties shoot you know whatever you can because you don't want to lose the perspective of sort of real life And I think that's really important, especially for documentary work. You've just arrived in London and you've got, uh, what, 10 days, I think, to make documentary pictures here. Mm -hmm. But actually, the first call you were thinking about making wasn't London at all. You were going to go to a, I think you would call it a soccer match. You are, but you are a fan, actually a proper bona fide fan of Wrexham. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I think all America are now fans of Wrexham. <laughs> that may be true as well. They might know more about Wrexham than about the Premier League, which is yeah. probably sacrilege if you're here. But yeah, I was considering going to see Notts County at Wembley tomorrow uh, because they're playing in the National League yeah. playoff final. Well, you knew this. I knew this, <laughs> yes. Um, and I think I should wear a shirt that says Wrexham fan for Notts County. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you uh, you've been to London before so yes. what are there is there anything photographically you want to do while you're here I plan to spend two or three days literally just wandering around with my camera I I feel like when I've been here in the past I haven't been here alone so when you're with kids or friends you're always sort of you know you don't want to stand in one spot for 30 minutes taking pictures of people walking by and that's sort of what I plan to do a lot of a lot of people on the street typical London maybe some in the rain <laughs> you get that <laughs> actually you did say that you know when you're when you're making photographs that that often you return to to America to the family and they'll say uh, well where's London because the pictures you <laughs> you've made could well have been made probably in New York yeah, I tend toward, you know, the interesting people on the steps with the cigar. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the street, the guy, you know, the construction guys on the street. So, yes, I often go back and there's like zero photos <laughs> of any tourist locations or... I mean, I probably would have photos of the underground signs, yeah. which would give away where I was. Yeah. But, yeah, I do tend toward the, the individual rather than the, the location overall. Who do you follow in street photography? What floats your boat? Okay, Joel Myrowitz. Yes. I like Joel. Oh, I like Joel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who else? He's a very gentle photographer. He is. I think that's probably the style. I don't like the in-your-face no. style so much. Of course, being in New York, you... I mean, I think of that as a mecca for street photography. You have all of life in one place. True. And the subway is probably my favorite place to shoot because it's such a... The most, I'm sure it's true here as well. It's the most democratic form of transportation. Yeah. There's no first class, there's no separation. You're always next to people who are from speaking different languages from different backgrounds. And just the faces. It wasn't as much fun when we all wore masks on the train because you couldn't really see expressions, but we're kind of back to normal now, so I love it. We should have got pictures of them then. They sounded <laughs> like they were having a proper family ding-dong. Oh, um, Alex Webb and Rebecca. Alex Webb, yes. 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 Alex and Rebecca, they're amazing. Shooting wise, you're an X100V fan. I am an X100V mm. fan, as well as an X-T5 fan. Mm. Those are my two... For your Weddings X-T5? Weddings X-T5 and X100V. Okay. I always have it with me. Yeah? I, my, I would like to shoot a whole wedding on the X100V sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you could? I think so. Yeah? Yeah. It's just different. It would be, it would be more of a scene instead mm. of up close, which is fine. I've had a go doing it. Did it work? And it kind of worked. Yeah? I think yeah. I did it once. Yeah. I think Kev's done it. Yeah. I think he did a whole wedding on the X100, not V, of an earlier iteration. Do you think you're at the perfect cameras with your Fujis? I think so. Yeah? I love the X-T5. 
I, I love it. I think it's a, a great camera for weddings. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shoot with any other camera at weddings, I think. And our thanks to Amy for, uh, actually, for all sorts of things, for your wonderful uh, company, and also for our Japanese meal. That was generous. Yeah, it was. It was lovely, wasn't it? Hey, I, if I'd have known she was offering to buy lunch, but she didn't tell us to the end, I would have booked to the table at the Ivy. Yeah. <laughs> comes away a bit more expensive. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I know where we need to go. Kev will take you to his uh, his Irish bar, but we'll uh, we'll go go to lunch at the Ivy first. It's a nice little restaurant. You'll like it. It's a small cafe. It's a nice day, just wandering around London without any pressures, wasn't it? We should do that. We should do that more often. Definitely. I know we always say that, but we should. Maybe, um, maybe with a a a bunch of what would the collective noun for lots of Fujicast listeners be? Patrons. Patrons? No, not necessarily. Yeah, I'm only talking to the people that give us money. Oh, some things never change. Right, we've got a book of the week. Come on, let's do a book we of the have week. Got a book of the this, week no, this yeah. sounds interesting. This is this is um this is Bill Wyman. Bill Wyman is a photographer. Yeah, so this is called Stones from the Inside, Rare and Unseen Images. Um and uh, I'll read the blurb first. It says known, unknown, rare and unseen images from former Rolling Stone bassist Bill Wyman, capturing life on stage, backstage, and on the road. Uh and it says as soon as Bill Wyman was given a camera as a young boy, he quickly developed a passion for photography. After joining what would become the world's greatest rock and roll band, yeah. that's very subjective. Yes, it is. Uh, Wyman continued his hobby. When he didn't have his base, <laughs> he had his camera. Mm. The result is an arresting, insightful, and often poignant collection of photographs. And probably literal his, at some stages, I, I would have It's showing yeah. his exclusive inside view of the band. Yeah. From traveling to relaxing, backstage and on stones from the inside is a unique view captured by a man who was there mm. every step of the way. Um, and it is it's actually a really really cool book uh, I am not the biggest Rolling Stones fan I have to say um, but uh, in fact well here's a little thing Bill Wyman was responsible for me breaking my foot how? Uh, well so he, they came to Cardiff and I was doing my A-levels at the time and I really wanted to go and see them so booked a ticket um, got permission from the school to, to take the afternoon off school um, and then this was obviously when I was 17 so there's no mobile phones or anything so me and my mate were going to go in fat fell and um we waited for my dad to pick us up at lunchtime on the um i don't know tuesday afternoon or wherever it was and my dad turned up and he said i've got some bad news boys wow. it's been cancelled because oh. bill wyman's cut his finger oh. and i was like oh what and so um they rescheduled it for the following weekend mm-hmm. so uh, instead of going to watch the rolling stones concert i went to play football and subsequently broke my ankle Oh. Uh, all entirely Bill Wyman's fault. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he never said sorry. Anyway, the book, the book itself is amazing, and 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 actually, uh, you know, it wasn't he? He is an amazing musician, but mm. but the pictures are are amazing as well. A lot of them are very snapshotty, but there there are some very well considered, um, well exposed kind of um, thought out. Certainly, the portraits and stuff like that. Um, but there, you know, if you're a music fan of any, any genre, I would say that you would enjoy looking at this stuff because everybody's interested in the behind the scenes. You know, when you watch a, a music concert, a music documentary, I love all of that footage of them just yeah. before they go on stage, you know, and they're walking down the corridor and, and they're, they're having their last kind of cup of tea or whatever. Um, you know, so it, it, it's just really cool. So I'm just like flicking through here and there's, a, there's an amazing picture. I think it's the central spread um of uh of uh, keith woods just just basically sat in this room he's got a there's a an olympus trip camera on the side there's a, a three or four packs of marble red there's an electric hot pot um four cup boiling thing carrier bags everywhere there's a bin he's just sat there looking as rock and roll as you possibly could be you're talking about keith, keith in, richards or or ron oh sorry keith ronnie, richards ronnie yeah Wood, wasn't it ron, ronnie Wood. No, no, yeah the picture i'm looking at is keith richards keith, sorry. keith richards um and and it, it's just like oh, I see, you know yeah, these yeah. amazing amazing okay. images yeah, that you would just yeah. never really see yeah. but the ones that i i love the most are like on the ones on the airplanes and stuff like that when they're just yeah. they're literally just out of the out of the concerts and they you know they rush them out quickly don't they so they can 
don't get caught in the traffic and, and get kind of assassinated and things like that. Stick what? on an aeroplane and off they go. Yeah, yeah but they, they get, get them out quickly, quickly so they don't have to try and get home on a train. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but there's some really beautiful portraits as well. You know, um, there's a really lovely one of Jerry Hall on page 156, mm-hmm. who, of course, was, um, well, I'm not sure if they were married at the time, um, uh, but you know, the, with Mick, to Mick Jagger, of course. Um, but yeah, really beautiful kind of you know well thought out portrait there, mm. and it's <laughs> just some really funny images of them, you know, messing about and just being themselves. Really, there is also some pictures from on the stage, um, you know, and 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 that's that's interesting because you know it indicates that he took his camera with him on stage as well, mm. and uh, you know just kind of when he's when he's not playing his his bit, he just picks his camera up and starts taking a few shots. Um, you know, it's great. It's, um, I'm looking at this this uh, particular one where I'm, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the black and white one that I thought. Ah, here we go. So page 104 and 105, um, really, really like, uh, and 106, I suppose, really, um, of Ron, Ronnie uh, during rehearsal times where it's just, you know, these days people will look at this photo and think, hmm, I wouldn't want the camera that was taken on. You know, it's a little bit soft, a bit grainy and everything. But my God, it's got so much soul and so emotion in it that, you know, it's just wonderful. And that that to me is what photography is all about. Um, You know, not megapixels and speed and 55 million frames per second and what have you. Um, But yeah, really, really cool book. Really enjoy it. If you're into any kind of music, I think you'd enjoy this book. Um, You know, there's obviously Rolling Stones have had, had their... Uh, ups and downs and trials and tribulations over the years but i think you'll you'll enjoy it as a uh, you know as a photographic archive and uh, you know it says that some of these pictures have been seen before i i don't recall seeing any of them at all um you know there's pictures here of john lennon and yoko ono just sat you know in a rehearsal studio amazing amazing you're right he had a a, a strong compositional eye and, and angles and stuff um, there's there's one of it might be Ronnie Wood actually coming off off the um, the famous Rolling Stones at the big at the big lips and um, and tongue logo on the bottom yeah. of the fuselage and he's he's got that as the as the dominant picture but then he's got a band member coming off and down the steps out of the aeroplane so some really strong compositional elements to his work aren't there and yeah yeah and seeing behind those scenes you're absolutely right they're the fascinating ones aren't they and the the, the dedication at the front says to my late late uncle jack jeffrey for ah. giving me his brownie box camera on the 1st of february 1959 ah. which inspired me to see the world in a different way fantastic bill well, wyman, wyman. Bill wyman. Uh, that, that book it's available now obviously because you got a copy the other day yeah it was it was actually created in um it was made in published in 2020 yeah it is iconic rare images, iconic images that's somebody isn't that somebody you know the person who is involved in iconic images i do actually yes so yeah. they must have licensed all the pictures there you go. Oh. Um, and yeah, it is available oh. on uh, Amazon <clears throat> and various other places or Hatchad's Bookshop if you want a signed copy in Cheltenham. Why do you cough when you say Amazon? <laughs> well, I don't really like Amazon. Do you not? Okay. don't like giving them money. Do you buy stuff through Amazon much? Yeah, of course I do because <laughs> I'm not one of those people that says I hate Amazon, they're, they're capitalists and then actually use them. I'm one of those people that says I hate Amazon, they are capitalists, but yeah. do still use them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, great. But a book, a book of the week. Um, yeah, quest- it's been a while. Questions? Do you want? Uh, do you want to lead with one, or do you want me to go with one? Uh, I'll go. Go on then. John Wayne says, "Any thoughts on using the automatic integrations between Etsy, the print space, and Printify to produce and sell prints?" I would anticipate using Etsy's own Patreon website builder and/or Squarespace as the personal branded gallery front would be best. Thoughts. Do you mean well, Etsy as in when you make art and sell it and, and make a million and retire and just live by your yeah, house you with a lovely pool? In. Yeah. But but this this brings us to the nice uh, a nice segue which was not planned where we can talk about the um uh, the art gallery element of Picton, of course. Nice. So, yeah, I like I your style. Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. I was just thinking, oh, we haven't spoken about Picton yet. And uh, <laughs> and then that question came up and so Picton have their own art gallery. So that's what I use. Um, I create, uh, although right now I'm moving my, all my websites are being managed, moved around a bit, but 
in normal days i have um all my prints that i do sell and i sell a, a few not many maybe like five a year these i'm not on about um, wedding prints now i'm on about personal prints yeah. to strangers um as an art gallery in uh, pick time and i just plug that i plug that into my squarespace website and of course you could do it to wordpress as well and it just sits there it looks like a real page they you can put in all of the text the sizes dimensions all of that kind of stuff and then they buy the picture and then pick time sends you the money Bob's your uncle. So in, in essence, that's your Etsy is using pick-time.com. Yeah, yeah. So Etsy, the print space, Printify are all um, places that you can uh, set up yeah. e-commerce systems and plug them in. But but in most cases, they're for physical things. Yes. Well, not the print space, but certainly Etsy. Uh, we use we use the print space for the merch on our Futurecast website, yeah. um, of which we never sell anything. But that's that's <laughs> like then. mugs and coffee cups and all of that kind of stuff. That was the last that time we sold was- sold a coffee cup, Kev. Um, we did in the early days we did sell about six did we okay that was it yeah Um, but it's ridiculously expensive you know I'm not expecting people to now go and buy a mug or anything because I totally get it it's really expensive because in order for us to make any kind of a profit you you pay a huge premium (laughs) Um, whereas with something like the pick time art gallery integration there's no you know it's part of your subscription there's no extra Mm. fees or anything so I would I would go down that route certainly if you have pick time of course yeah um, but if not yeah absolutely think about embedding a you the, the key thing is that the interface needs to look like it's part of your website you know you don't want it to be diff, um, you, you don't want them to be seeing the pictures and then when you click it it disappears off to Etsy or something yeah. you know try and keep it within the boundaries of your website using a an iframe or an embeddable piece of code so that I'm sure that all of those um, platforms would would be able to supply so you're saying that that's could you use squarespace that you've been able to integrate great the two and they don't look too different between each other doesn't look different at all they look identical it looks like the whole process is happening on my website right yeah okay yeah i'm going there now kevin mullins and, no it's and- not on there it was on f16.click but that's ah. been in the middle of moving yeah okay so f16 is moving to kevin mullins yeah photography.co.uk it's just waiting for the train to arrive now. Is it? <laughs> it's, got its, pack, it's got its suitcase packed. Yeah. Very big suitcases. Just waiting for the trains to arrive. Should be ready by it, by yeah I, I, by October twenty uh, five. It's considering it's considering <laughs> getting an Uber instead. <laughs> right. Okay. A question from Tony Reedsma. Um, hi guys, just dropping in to say hi. It's been a while since you interviewed me. Not sure if you remember. Do uh, yeah. you, you spoke to Tony, didn't you? Yeah, I remember. Since then, it was my, a long time ago. Yeah, it was. my daughter was married. My son graduated from college. For my daughter, I made a large photo book, hardbound with over 100 pages. I'm so glad I made photos throughout the years, even during those years when my kids didn't want me to make photos of them. We're going through that period at the moment. No, I don't want a photo. Don't put it down. No. And they're glad I persisted without being mean about forcing them to participate in me making the photos. I just left, uh, or rather, I just made them as life unfolded. I planned to put together a book for my son as well. Anyway, I used Blurb, and I wanted to plug them because they were great and even did a free reprint due to a couple of minor issues with the first print. Now, you're right there, Tony, because I have had situations where I've had to have a blurb reprinted and even one where the book fell apart um I haven't used them for a, a long long time granted with wedding couples but for a while every single wedding couple got a blurb and I had one in particular that just fell apart and they didn't mm. doubt it they didn't question how the book had been handled they nothing like that they just instantly replaced it and sent it straight to the couple so mm. I like blurb a while back, I sold all my Fuji gear, four X-T4s, assortment of lenses, 56, 90, 60, and 55, and bought into the Lumix S5. But I recently added the X-T5 as a B camera. There's just something about those Fuji colours that keep on drawing me back. He's using, actually, vintage lenses with his X-T5 with a speed booster. I, I, have you got? Have you still got? I've got my vin, vintage lens that was sent to both of us that I claimed. Um, uh, no, I've got, <laughs> I've got some for the GFX system. Ah, what do you use? I don't use it, so I, don't, I can't even remember what it's called. Okay. It, uh, it, it, uh, the reason I did use it in the beginning is like an 80mm lens, but then the GF 80mm thing came out, so I got that instead. But yeah. um, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was quite good. But it didn't have the same range, mm. so you, you get quite a bit of distortion, mm. a vignette in that you had to deal with afterwards, and it was manual focus. 
That's that speed booster then. Does it have a curtain that um I haven't used one, so I don't know. But does it have a curtain that comes across it when you you change lenses? Because he said here, I like this setup because I can switch lenses when I'm out in dusty conditions without exposing the sensor to the elements. Now I I think that's one of the really nice features about Canon's R5 and R6 cameras and maybe others in in the range as well I don't know where a curtain comes across when you remove the lens so you you never have to get into hopefully um, any sensor cleaning it sounds like maybe the speed booster does that or am I reading that incorrectly I don't know I don't know I don't have a speed booster I've got a a kip-on adapter but Mm. um, yeah I I don't know it seems like seems like it does yeah I've always thought that would be a a fantastic um, I I would imagine it adds a bit of bulk to the front of the camera, but I've, I, I just think that's a fantastic feature. I'd love to see that. That would be on my list of stuff I'd like to see. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. That makes you feel a lot more confident, Tony, when you're, you're mm. changing lenses in conditions where you think, oh, here we go, sensor cleaning time when I get home. Yeah. Right. Your, yeah. Yours then, Kev, that was more sort of homage to, to Fujifilm. Uh, okay, sorry, one second. Sorry, are you still working? Uh, no, no, I closed the. How many images are you through? Yeah, sorry, oh, right. Okay, I was reading the news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're reading the news now. Oh, I, sorry, oh. no, it was because it was about AI. Well, actually, it was about face filters. Um, right. So, and I thought that was interesting and that might be relevant. And then, and then at the same time, I closed the tab by mistake. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Um, Wade Brown. Good day, guys. Some advice on Lightroom, if yeah. possible. I currently have a Lightroom iPad subscription with 100 gigabytes of storage. I am almost out of space and need to upgrade my subscription. Only issue is there are no upgrades available with iPad Lightroom. I think my only option is to purchase the photography pack through Adobe, but have heard horror stories of people changing subscriptions and losing all their saved photos. Any advice, tips, recommendations to make this a smoother transition? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're reliant on just the uh, mobile stuff and you like the fact that, you know, you open your iPad yeah. app and you open your iPhone app and, or whatever your device you're on and your pictures are all synced and everything, um, then, yeah, you do need to kind of keep it within the the adobe ecosystem um i've changed my subscription over the years different levels of it and i've never lost i i use the lightroom platform storage platform or adobe storage platform mm. for my personal photos um, oh, do you? yeah so essentially when i snap a photo on my phone uh if it's one i want to keep i then add it to my lightroom catalog and then i delete it from my phone so i oh. always know that it's going to synchronize up to my my local one um but yeah, I don't have a hundred gigabytes worth of that stuff. That's for sure. Um, I suspect the answer actually lies in storing your images elsewhere rather than you know increasing the subscription levels or storage levels. Um, so you can still store. So for example, I have my images synchronized with the light, standard Lightroom catalog on my desktop PC. Um, and so it goes up via the cloud and then comes down via there and uh, just sits and, and synchronizes that actually is then those images are then backed up onto sync.com. Um, but that process of getting them between the two does need to use the Adobe platform. Uh, and I don't know. So the answer is, I don't know, like storage wise, it sounds like you're happy to pay for increased storage, in which case good. Um, the question is, you know, changing your subscription, losing all their saved photos. You won't lose all the saved photos if you have them somewhere. Um, So they're not just in the cloud. So remember, if you have, what I would do in this case is get a PC, some kind of laptop or whatever, friends, even if if you haven't got one. Install Lightroom CC, not the full-blown Lightroom, Lightroom CC, create a catalog, synchronize all of your images down to that, um, and then, you know, make a backup copy of them, whatever. And then when you do your subscription change, you shouldn't lose any images. And if you do, they're all on your friend's PC. Job done. There we go. I think this might be the final one. So if you want to close stuff down now, you can, Kev. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kia Ora from Yada Yada Yada. Love <laughs> New Zealand. Love your work. Won't bore you with endless patter. Suffice to say that the podcast is... I can't use this word, Kev. Awesome. I thought he was going to say shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kev. It would be, uh, I suppose, honest, authentically <laughs> honest. No, awesome. Awesome is a word for me that, I don't know, it's a bit like, I said to, to Sam the other day, is this orange Lamborghini went past us, making loads of noise, completely pointless in Thatcham. 
because let's be honest, it's not like cruising the, the front of Daytona or something where everybody goes, whoa, look at that. In Thatcham, people are broadly disinterested in everything. But I, I, <laughs> I said to Sam, I think I've got to an age where I couldn't drive one of those anymore. And um, she said, no, nonsense. It's not about Yeah, I'm with Sam. I'm with Sam. If you're, you know, it might not be something that interests you, but not it's if it does interest you then yeah, nonsense. Say nonsense. I agree with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you should do what you want in life. What's well, like the word like well, awesome? Not I, I, go out and buy a Lamborghini though because you probably can't afford it. <laughs> I think there might be a long long time uh, until I can afford one of those. Um awesome is a, a word that, you know, you know my thing about awesome being attached to too many TikTok influencers who say blueberry yeah. muffins are awesome. Awesome blueberry yeah. muffin. No, yeah. the moon and the tides, awesome. The Himalayas and the Everest climbing to the top, awesome. Maybe yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. So, <laughs> maybe I can't. I may, Maybe, Tom, in uh, New Zealand, maybe I'm just too old to use awesome now. Here's a two-parter. First part, I use primes inspired by Kay Mullins. I know that he was previously of a 23mm, 56mm pairing now is of the 1856 pairing. My question is, what's your fave lens pairing and why? Now, he's got a few bits to this question, so let's go with that part first so we don't lose track of well, track of where we are. Um, I've joined you, Kev, in the 1856, and I know that it was only a couple of weeks ago I said, oh, I'm not sure, Kevin. You said, well, your mileage might vary, which I think should be a T-shirt. Um and Gemma hates it when I say that. <laughs> Does she say that? Does she yeah. hate it as much as me saying, which I haven't said for a month since you told me off for saying it? The book, she does, yeah. She, the hates, she hates the book of face the book and of face. mileage may vary. <laughs> so we should get T-shirts made with both on them. Yeah, that's right. One of the should. one of the front, one of the back. But yeah, I, I did go with the eighteen fifty six. Now I thought, oh, now you might say there's not a lot of difference between the eighteen and twenty three. But there does seem to be in, in the way that I look at stuff. Um, but then, but then I I, I did a, a particular wedding a couple of weeks ago where the eighteen was like, oh, this is now I get what Kev's saying. Now I get it. I'm showing a lot more in, in my story making, um, yeah. and I think I'm coming round to it. And I still don't have. I sold my twenty three, and I keep looking at it, thinking maybe maybe there's a used one out there that's kev quality so i'm not going to spend too much money on it that i could just play around and just just see if i need to go back to the 23 as well did you buy the new 18 then i did nice yeah well yeah the new way no the old one no i wouldn't is this the one that turns up during the last podcast when the box was broke no that was the uh 16 to 55 which, was it all right in the end? Absolutely fine. Thank heavens. Good, good. Um, no, that, that was absolutely fine. No, that was the 1655. I, I I have been using the 1855 for a long, long time, but I wanted the 16 to 55 so I could remain um, uh, open all the way through the range. But what about you then, 1856? I think you're you're sold on that pairing forevermore, aren't you? Yeah, that doesn't change. That's it, really. I, I do take the little 23 F2 and the little f 50 f2 prime the little um you know the, the little ones, Small ones yeah. with me as well as yeah. backups basically but yeah I, I can't think of any reason why i would change from the 18 to the 23 again now um i never used uh, the the 23 f2 what's what's that like as a as a lens nice really nice yeah really nice tiny tiny i mean the good thing about those little prime lenses is, yeah. is as long as you don't need that extra stop of light they're brilliant you know if you're if you're shooting in the daylight you know outside or something you know and you it, it's so light it's like there's nothing on the front of the camera yeah so they are wonderful but yeah ultimately 1856 is my if i was to have a tattoo on my arm of, of lens choices <laughs> it would say 18 and 56 would it next yeah. the things that work your other, yeah, your other tattoo that's work I, I rarely shoot um, at 1.4 anyway, so for me, a 23F2, that would work for me. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try that. Um, also, selfishly, do you think that a 16-33 or a 33-56 pairing, I don't know what's selfish about that, is best, or do you think there isn't enough gap between those focal lengths? Similarly, would a 16-56 pairing be too different? too extreme for years when i had my canon system i shot with a 24 and an 85 in essence 1656 and i i found that that was the way i looked for probably three four there's a lot of maybe five years there's a lot, a lot of my um galleries that i still show on my on my website that show that 
that are of that pairing. You know, I think that, like, uh, yesterday I was shooting with a 16-55 and I really liked it. You know, really nice f2.8 lens. That, that's what Tom says here, Kev. He, he, the 16, maybe I should just have the 16-55 and be done with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, honestly, if if you're not shooting, like, low-light stuff, weddings, that kind of thing, you know, the 16-55 is, is heavier and bulkier and you yeah. have to remember to zoom and all of that kind of stuff. Yep. I kept forgetting to zoom. Did you? <laughs> because I don't zoom generally very yeah. often. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm finding myself walking forwards and backwards rather than thinking, oh, I can just turn this ring on the front. <laughs> it's still also not going to be as pin sharp as the primes that's for sure um but it's it's brilliant lens you know and and you know we can't we can't ultimately say you need to get this lens you need to get that it does depend a lot on what you're shooting yeah um i pre- i prefer especially the 56 i prefer that look at 1.2 f1.2 you know i think is beautiful especially yeah. like yeah. black and white portraits yeah. bit grainy bit out of focus lush yeah. like He'd, bill wyman like what bill wyman but <laughs> lush like <laughs> bill wyman yeah, <laughs> like his photos, not him. Oh right, <laughs> hang on. Um, thank you for the for the work you put into the pod. I have one more as a second part question. You can have it. I'm now a fully signed up member of Pick Time and love it. Recently shot a wedding and sent an all bells, all whistles download gallery link to the parents and the bride and the groom. I also sent a link to the bride to pass on to the rest of the party with access to only download very low res files with the hope of charging for some high res if they like them. I see your plan. My plan failed. And not one single person other than the bride downloaded a high res file, but many downloaded low res ones. Was this a rookie error? Question mark. Do you make any files available to download other than to the immediate wedding party? Question mark. And then, am I business failure? Question mark. <laughs> well, the way I do it is I make all um, images downloadable, all but all at high res, but only the bride and groom um, get them free. Guests have to pay for them. Yeah, that's the way I do it. But that's I see, it. I see what he was trying to do. If you if you put some. You know, take down some low reses here, very, very low reses here, and you might think, oh, I like that. I'm going to have myself a piece of that. And um, mm-hmm. and then you buy the high res. But I'm not sure people feel, uh, think like that in this day and age. I think their expectations have changed. They can download that. And I assume that that enables them to perhaps schlep it up on Instagram and they're very happy with it. Exactly, yeah. And a lot of people don't really understand the difference between high res, low res, and all that kind of stuff. No. I just keep it high res and charge. charge for guests but you are not a business failure no absolutely not not at all thank you tom for that in uh in new zealand and that's it for this this week sorry we're a little bit late as we say um we will uh we will see you in two weeks time we do we need more questions in facebook kev what what where are we we got a few we got a few but keep them coming yeah yeah you know i like i like them it's, uh, for those of you that don't know where it is, it's at the top of Facebook, Fujicast Facebook group. There's a pin thread at the top. Questions for the show. Would that be on the book of face, Kev? On the book of face, but your mileage may vary, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I didn't realise that Gemma uh, is building up a library of stuff. Anybody got a divorce lawyer? <laughs> oh, she's very good as well, Gemma. She does listen to the show, doesn't she? So, she does, yeah. She does listen to the show. She never listens to my radio show, but she listens to the podcast. Well, I think it's very similar. Sam listens to us here, but she never listens to my photo walk. So, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, I, may, maybe they are planning in the background their own podcast, the two of them. They did do it once, didn't they? They did do they did. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, um, we are hoping very soon we uh, we have some um, super announcements for you. Uh, but I can't say more, and that's rubbish, I know. But I'm very, very, and I, I think Kev knows the one we're talking about. Very, very excited. Very excited. Very, 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 very excited. That's it. We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye, bye, bye. The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.